morning again. Take your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 5. If you're using the Bible from the pew in front of you, it's on page 1095. Follow along as I read, beginning in verse 12, we're going to read through verse 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Would you join me in prayer? Father, again, we are so grateful for your many blessings, material and spiritual. We're thankful for music, for those who have the ability to be musicians. We're, we're so grateful for the sound of music. We thank you for the lyricists who write words to music and call our hearts and minds towards you. We're thankful for scripture, the writers that you have raised up to reveal yourself to us through your word. And Father, we've gathered together today, as you know, to study, to learn, to come to understand you and your son better. And we know that if that's going to happen, the Holy Spirit is going to be the effective teacher. So Holy Spirit, take this text and grab us with it. And grab us with it in a way that it just doesn't let us go. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. So while Jesus was in one of the cities of Judea, a leper came up to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Leprosy at this time was not a word used for a specific disease. It was just a general word for all, uh, all kinds of skin diseases. And we don't know which skin disease this person had, but it was all over his body. It was full of leprosy. And he walks up to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Why did, why did he ask, or why did he say, if you're willing, you can make me clean? Why did he say, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me? Why not healing? Why cleansing? That's really the question of the text. Because there's an Old Testament answer to this. They were thinking out of the passage of Scripture that I have recorded for you on the sheet. So if you look at the passage in Leviticus, 
This is why he asked to be made clean. It says this, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean and he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So here's a guy with leprosy. And his clothes are torn, his hair is shaggy. Every time he comes up to someone, he has to cover his lip and say, unclean, unclean. And he has to live alone, separate from the whole community of people. There's a reason for that. It's the next verse I have there from Numbers 19. It says, whenever the unclean person touches, whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean. And anyone who touches it shall be unclean till evening. The reason is because uncleanness was contagious. Everyone and anything an unclean person touched, that became unclean. And if someone else touched him, or someone else touched the thing he touched, then they became unclean. It was contagious. So he had to separate himself. And anytime he encountered another person, he had to let them know that he was unclean so that they wouldn't get close enough to touch him because now it's spread. So this guy comes up to Jesus and he goes, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Because the cleanness affected his life probably more than the disease. And scripture tells us that Jesus reached out and touched him. And immediately he became clean. That is the shock of this story. Everyone and everything else that this guy touched became unclean because uncleanness was contagious. But when Jesus touched him, Jesus didn't become defiled. Jesus didn't become unclean. The man became clean. This is revolutionary stuff. After the man was cleansed, Jesus said, now go to the priest, offer the required sacrifices, and prove to them that you're now clean. Then we read in verse 15, but now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. How could it not be that? This guy has been alone. He's lived away from people. No human contact. Everyone shied away from him. When he became cleansed, he ran into the city 
If this was a Hollywood movie, there would be all kinds of things going on now. It would be a tearjerker. The guy would be running to his family, running to his friends. There'd be hugging and kissing. His, his, his mother would be hanging on to him, kissing him. My son has got it. His wife and kids, if he had wife and kids, would be holding him, not letting him go. There's no human drama in this story at all. If this were a, a, a made for a, a Hollywood movie, Jesus would ride this popularity all the way to fame in the next election. But it's not a story of human drama. It's a lesson about Jesus. Everything an unclean person touches gets defiled. But when Jesus touches the unclean, they become clean. The next story in this chapter is the story of Jesus healing the paralytic. So Jesus was teaching this time in a house, and there was a large crowd of people gathered around him, and these four guys carried a paralytic to Jesus to be healed. And so they carried him in on his cot, and they got to the edge of the crowd, and they realized they couldn't get through the crowd to Jesus. And so they climbed up on the roof of the building, they tore away the tiles, and they let the man down in front of Jesus. We see the picture in our minds of this great crowd of people and all of a sudden, you know, this, this cop gets lowered and there's dead silence. And, and gets lowered in front of Jesus and absolutely everyone is expecting a miracle. In fact, when you read the story, you get to this point and you go, ah, a miracle is coming. But look what Jesus did in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Uh, uh, picture this. You're one of the guys carrying the paralytic, or you're the paralytic laying on the cot. You have come here for healing. And you're still laying on your cot, and he goes, Your sins are forgiven. That's anticlimactic. Give me my sins back, but just heal me. Come on up. And we read it that way. What? What? Just heal him already. But Jesus has a point with this. A most important point. It, it comes starting in verse 21. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who is this blasphemer? Here's why. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick your, your bed and go home. 
And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. See, the scribes and the Pharisees were absolutely right. No one can forgive sins but God alone. And when they saw this man, Jesus, look down at the paralyzed guy and say, your sins are forgiven, they said, who does this guy think he is? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus looks at him and goes, all right, let me show you something else. Rise. Because only God can forgive sins. And only God can heal a paralytic. And if Jesus can do the one, he can do the other. Who does this man think he is? Oh, if I can do one thing that only God can do, and do a second thing that only God can do, you got to know I'm God. And if you know I'm God, then I'm not blaspheming when I say your sins are forgiven. And that's not blasphemy. It's true. Now Jesus answered their question in a second way in this text. It comes in the title he gave himself in verse 24. Notice verse 24. It says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The title he took to himself is Son of Man. Now, as a general rule, we who live in our day and age read that and we just gloss right over it. Son of Man. Okay, great. We get it. I don't think we get it. This title has an Old Testament reference. And every time you read the title Son of Man, it's referencing Daniel 7. Look on this sheet that I gave you. It's the third text down. And look at this story. This is a huge story. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This was a vision by the prophet Daniel. He saw one like a son of man. He looked like a human being. And he was led into the presence of the ancient of days. He was led into the presence of God the Father. And in the presence of God the Father, the ancient of days, glory, honor, and power were given to the one that looked like a man. In the presence of the ancient of days, glory was given to Jesus. Honor was given to Jesus. Power is given to Jesus. And all peoples, nations, and languages serve him or worship him. In the presence of the ancient of days, they worshiped 
the one that looked like a man. And God the Father didn't kill him. He didn't wipe them off. He, he, he didn't terminate anybody at the moment. In fact, he approved of it. And in the presence of the ancient of days, they worshipped the one that looked like a man. And God liked it. The Father knew Jesus was God. And worship belongs to God. And Jesus knew he was God. And so he looked at the paralytic and said, Your sins are forgiven. See, this is a story and a lesson about Jesus. He has the authority to cleanse the unclean. He doesn't get defiled. He has the authority to forgive sins. Who is this man who blasphemes? Oh, no. In the presence of God the Father, they worship me too. I'm God. And I'm not a blasphemer. See, Jesus cleanses the unclean, and Jesus forgives sin. Uh, you know, we're not lepers, and we're not paralytics. So what does this have to do with us? Well, Luke, when he recorded this, put a third story on the end of it. And the third story personalizes this lesson for us. Look at the next story, beginning in verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, this is Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. To the scribes and the Pharisees, Levi and his friends are the worst people on the planet. They're the bottom feeders. They're the scum of the earth. And to the scribes and the Pharisees, uncleanness is contagious. So Jesus, hanging out and eating with sinners, was getting defiled. So obviously, birds of a feather flock together, and if you're going to hang out with sinners, man, you're going to be like them. That's just the way it works. Because uncleanness is contagious. And when they challenged him, Jesus said, no, no, no. They're sick. 
They need a doctor. They're unrighteous. And they need a spiritual doctor. See, this is the worst of the lot. The tax collectors, those were bad people. But the sinners, they're the ones that just don't go to church. They don't care. They just live their lives with no regard for God. They just live their lives as if God didn't exist. They just live their lives as if, well, he might be there, but he just doesn't care. And I don't care either. That's the sinners. Irreligious and apathetic. And yet Jesus can cleanse the unclean and forgive the sin of the unrighteous. The lesson in this is that Levi and his friends are the worst of sinners. There's no one in the first century as bad as these guys. This is, this is the horrible lot. And Jesus goes, I'm here because I'm a spiritual doctor. You know, Paul said something similar to that. And it's the last reference I have on your sheet. In 1 Timothy, and I want you to see Paul's point, because I think this is how it relates to you and me. Paul wrote, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So this is a trustworthy saying, and you need to accept this fully, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, whom I'm chief. But I received mercy for this reason. Now watch this. But I received mercy for this reason. That in me, as the worst, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You know what Paul is saying? Jesus saved me as an example to you. Jesus saved me as the worst of the lot. And if he can save the worst of the lot, he can certainly save you. Levi and his sinner buddies were the worst of the lot. Paul was the worst of the lot. But when Jesus touched them, they were cleansed. And when Jesus forgave their sins, they were forgiven. Why? Because Jesus is God, and only God can forgive sins. And only God can cleanse the unclean. Now, if you're sitting here today and you go, man, I've known this stuff all my life. This is, this is why I'm here. This is what I believe. You're probably sitting there going, man, am I ever grateful. 
I am so thankful for mercy and I'm so thankful for grace. I sit here today forgiven at the cross. And your heart is going, no, yes. But you might be here today on the other side of that fence. You might be here today saying to yourself, yeah, I'm, I'm really bad. That, that, that guy, he doesn't know how bad I am. He, he, he doesn't know how big of a sinner I've been, or how bad of a sinner I've been, or how good of a sinner I've been, or what sins I've done. If he, if he knew that, he would never say that God wanted to save me, that God could make me clean. No, that's the point of the story. That is the point. Everything else that unclean person touched became unclean. able to forgive the sins of a man who hadn't done anything. He was a paralytic. See, sometimes we think, well, God will forgive us if I just straighten up a little bit. God will forgive me if I just uh, start going to church, if I, if I reform, if I look good on the outside, if I throw a few bucks in the offering. Why, if I just do something, God will see the sincerity of my heart and he'll respond and maybe forgive me then. No, that's the whole point of this. You don't see leave the tax collectors and sinners straightening up. They didn't care. And Jesus went to them at that time as their sinner, as their, as their uh, spiritual doctor. So it doesn't really matter how bad you are. It doesn't even matter what sins you've done, how big those sins are, how many there are. It doesn't matter if you don't even try to reform. Jesus has the power to cleanse you and to forgive you and to make you right. How does that work? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. When he was born into this world, he had a mission in mind. He had a purpose. He was born into this world to bring salvation to us by dying on the cross. And when he shed his blood on that cross, God was making the payment for our sin. God was satisfied with what Jesus did on that cross and said, okay, anyone who accepts my son as the full and only payment for sin, I will forgive. Doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how sinful you are, how many you've done, and what you've done. Because Jesus is God's sufficient payment. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you might be sitting here, feeling the guilt of your sin, and going, man, nobody likes me. I'm sure. 
mature crowd doesn't. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the sick made a doctor. All you have to do is recognize your need. You just got to see your sin. Your sinfulness. Recognize that the payment for your sin was made by Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. God says if you believe in him, he will cleanse you giving all your sin. You can do that right where you're seated. I don't know your heart. I don't know your mind. I don't know your belief system. But you don't have to run around the block first. You don't have to fall down and cry and weep. You just have to believe. Recognize who Jesus is and what he did for you. That's the full and only payment for your sin. And if you do that, he will forgive you and cleanse you. Our prayer is that you will do that. Our prayer is that you will have no rest in your spirit until you do. Honestly, and I mean this from the bottom of our heart, if you're an unbeliever here today and you leave and you go to bed tonight, I hope you toss and turn all night long, but you can't sleep. Until you deal with your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to talk to someone after the service today, if you want to follow up with this in any in any way, we're going to have a couple of people willing to visit with you. If you're a man, George is going to be available. He's over there. Glenn's going to be available over here in June next to him, third, fourth row back, uh, for a woman that you'd like to talk to her. Okay? But they will be available following the service for you to visit with them if you have questions about Jesus. Please do not leave here today with any uncertainty in your hearts and minds. Father, we are grateful today for Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the cleansing he brings to us. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sins. We're thankful that we have the example of Levi and his buddies and the Apostle Paul so that we can save the name. Father, teach us the sufficiency of your Son. We pray in his precious name. Amen.